are listening to the Solid-ish Marriage Podcast. We are Scott and Betsy Neismer. We're marriage therapists, and we created this space to offer some reprieve from the expectation that you are supposed to be perfectly solid in your marriage all the time. That is absurd. Solid-ish is about being honest with the crap in our stories and showing that when we really take the risk to be vulnerable with our spouse, things actually get a lot better. Speaking of being vulnerable, we have asked a lot of other couples to be vulnerable and open with their stories, and it has been an incredible journey so far, and we wanted to take the time for this podcast today to share our personal story and to be Mm -hmm. open and vulnerable. And I personally feel a little bit nervous about it. (laughs) I don't know how you feel, Scott. I I do. I do. But uh, this is, this is a risk we want to take. The hot seat is hot, right? Like whether, whether you're a therapist or not, like this is just a hot seat. It's uncomfortable. Yes. We constantly ask people to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. but I mean, man, anytime... It's not often we tell our own story or right. our own side of things. Yeah. So this is a little bit different for us. So yeah. we're going to do our best, and I hope you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> to start off uh, with our stories, since since Betsy and I uh, know ourselves, we actually get to... So we're not going to tell the stories just from when we met and moving forward from there. We're actually going to reach way back into childhood, which typical therapist move, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, tell childhood. Me, right? Tell me about your childhood. It's all so. our parents' fault, right? <laughs> <laughs> but so th- there's this concept called raw spots that get set up in childhood. So mm-hmm. like your raw spots, those, those like you can imagine those emotional areas that are just so hypersensitive because they've just been rubbed raw and hurt so many times. Mm-hmm. Those things get set up in childhood uh, it, but then <laughs> manifest themselves in all sorts of wonderful ways in marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's we're gonna we're gonna dive into our childhood a little bit and say, all right, here's where our raw spots came from, and now this is what it looks like in our marriage today because it's <laughs> not perfectly solid; it's totally solid-ish. Uh, so my childhood, yes, Scott, uh, tell was, me about your childhood. Uh, it was perfect, and I have no raw spots at all. <laughs> if only right um no so so my childhood i mean like generally speaking it was great you know Mm -hmm. like we we grew up middle class uh like all the physical needs were taken care of there was no like abuse or addictions or any like there was no trauma Mm -hmm. nothing like that and so and that's actually one of the things that ironically contributed to some of my raw spot Mm -hmm. is that I was having all of these really intense feelings of like insecurity and am I okay? And like I was, I was going through, you know, anxiety and and pain and shame and thinking, well, my life isn't bad, right? Like look look at all these other stories that are so much worse than mine. Mm -hmm. So my pain can't be, be, you know, validated or, or, or worthwhile or anything like that. Like it's, I've got no business feeling this way. Right. So like that's actually one of the contributors to my raw spot is my childhood was really good. Yeah. Um, but there was a couple of elements. There's a couple of kind of flavors to that dish that did set up some key raw spots for me. So um, you always got to <laughs> you always got to think about the parents uh, and mom and dad. I apologize in advance. <laughs> um, but we know you loved him. <laughs> we know you tried your best exactly. as we all do. Exactly. <laughs> and you messed up. Right. Right. And you <laughs> ruined me. Um, so, <laughs> so my mom and granted, these are you know just kind of vast generalizations but my mom uh back in the day really struggled with codependency which if, if you're not familiar with codependency it's kind of like the people pleasing disease um mm-hmm. where you really want to like you, you get your worth and your value from making people happy from like conflict is just the worst losing right? yourself to others needs Ooh, nice Look at you. You must be a therapist. I just came up with that right now. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) It had nothing to do with my past 10 years of training. Right. (laughs) So, right. So, so mom, mom was uh, pretty strongly codependent back in the day. Right. So like big on the people pleasing, big on the losing self and therefore boundaries uh, were a struggle. Um, One thing that she did a lot for me, which, you know, at the moment 
she had every right to believe that, hey, this is loving mother status, mm-hmm. um, but actually ended up really creating a lot of struggle for me. Uh, and that is she would save me from the natural consequences of my own mistakes and my own stuff. So like I, uh, this memory always stands out for me that um, I think it was middle school where I forgot my coat. Like it was dead of winter and I forgot my coat. Mm. And like she dropped everything and went home, grabbed my coat and, and ran it to me at school. Right. And nothing wrong with that. Right. right? What right. a loving, caring mother. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? She but, cared about you. Right. But f- for me, what, what that ended up, you know, like with, with a bunch of different experiences of that in a row, for me, what that ended up teaching me was, well, you know, p- problems just go away. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's, I don't have to feel the consequences of these if I don't want to. You never have, you, you never were given the opportunity to learn. Right, exactly. So yeah. like I, I can just sit on my irresponsibility. I can sit on any mistakes that I make mm-hmm. and right, someone else will take care of it. Either that or I can just disappear, right? I can just kind of go passive and the the problem will take care of itself. Mm. Right? And, like and, magic. Right, exactly. And, th- and that played out, I mean, as you know, right? That played out pretty big, uh, especially early in our marriage. Yes, um, I know that very well. Right, and so then the, the other <laughs> aspect. <laughs> First-hand experience. Right? Uh, so, <laughs> but, so another aspect of that was was uh, the boundaries, that, right? That like healthy boundaries, especially maintaining boundaries, wasn't really modeled for me. And so therefore setting boundaries or maintaining boundaries in my adult life mm-hmm. uh, it was it was awkward it was clunky but also it felt really wrong right it was selfish right mm-hmm. exactly it's like well you know the the way of codependency is to sacrifice the self that's the most loving thing that's the most yeah. valuable thing yes and so like it makes a lot of sense that i'm going to pick that up and say well sure i want to be valuable so i'm going to go do the same thing right Right, so that that was kind of her stuff, uh, and then with my dad, uh, there was, at least how I interpret it, is there is a lot of significant struggles with identity and and value, but in a different way, like more mm. in an anxious way. Mm. Um, and so some of the ways that that would manifest is kind of like being perfectionist, uh, being uh, pretty critical. Um, so I remember there's, there's a moment when we were at a family Christmas and I coughed Mm. just kind of like just a random cough, right? I wasn't sick or anything like that. I just just coughed. And my dad, you know, he got real serious and he looked at me and he's like, are you okay? (laughs) Right. And and like, because he loves and cares about you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He noticed that he saw you in that and he wanted to attend to it. Exactly. And at the same time, how did that land on you? Right. So, uh, right. And how those moments and many moments like that land on me is like, well, geez, like I must be under the microscope, right? Mm. I, I have to be so put together all the time. Right. Otherwise, uh, he's going to pick out that one little thing right. and think something's wrong with you. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That right. Makes like sense. I, I remember another moment where you know, we were sitting in the truck and uh, I think this, this was young, like maybe elementary school. And I remember making a comment about how we were in, in the left turn lane waiting for the light to go. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is taking forever. Right. And he made, honestly, a, a very fatherly statement. Mm. You know, honestly, I don't remember exactly what he said, but something like, you know, well, we, we got to sit here and wait for the light because if we if we just go out into traffic, that's going to be a way bigger problem. Right. And right. Teaching his son as a right. loving father does. Exactly. And, and what I remember feeling or how that landed was, holy crap, I just can't have my own thought mm. without you commenting on it. Right. Mm. Yep. Without, 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 you know, I, my raw self is not enough, is not okay. Right. right. That's, and that's, that's not, not at all what he was trying to communicate to you. Exactly. And at the same time, that's how it landed on you, which is really important. Exactly. Right. And that's, that is absolutely the key. Like so much of what we do as parents and, you know, like, you know, we have our son, our, our mm-hmm. three and a half year old, and we're trying to do our best. Right. But we totally know that there's going to be stuff that we mean for good that's going to mm-hmm. land in these really weird, unexpected ways. And so... Well, and, and I want I want to slow down here too because this is an important thing for marriages is in something I see every day in my office that 
I didn't mean for him to to take it that way. Mm-hmm. And yet that's how it lands. So our intention is one way we have to attend to how it lands, how our behavior lands. Yeah. Amen. Right. So it's like, I, I wish the world worked differently, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's exactly how it is, is how it lands is the most important yep. factor yep. in all of this, right? right? So my parents are awesome, mm-hmm. wise, loved me like, cra- and still yeah. love me like crazy, yeah. hopefully even after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and yet there was these things that they could have never predicted that right. landed for me. And so out of that came a lot of insecurity, right? And mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense that, okay, if I feel like I'm under the microscope all the time, yep. If I feel like my raw self is just not enough and in need of correction, if I feel like self-sacrifice is the only way to go, so therefore self-care mm-hmm. is is wrong and selfish, and if I don't know, you know, if, if I don't know how to protect myself, or I feel like I'm not allowed to protect myself, or to speak up for myself, right? All of those things become this this chaotic, painful soup that creates Scott into a very, very insecure and quiet kid. Mm. And, you know, my mom was just even commenting the other day how, you know, like you were like, you know, so my brother, he was, he was a little more courageous than I was. Mm-hmm. That his, his acting out behaviors, he did a little more out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas me, I just, and she was saying, you know, like you were, you were so good all the time right like like you know you always stayed in bounds you always did the right thing like you 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 never had any of these struggles and i was like you know yeah because i was so scared Mm -hmm. i mean just petrified to show any of my perfections well and this is another thing that i like to observe too in in my sessions with with a within the context of relationships is what do you show on the outside mm-hmm. and what's really going on on the inside amen right because what's going on on the inside is what influences our behaviors on the outside so for you what was going on on the inside was you were struggling yeah you were insecure yep, yep. Right. And so on the outside, you had to present yourself as the perfect little boy. Right. Right. You right. were the perfect son. You were the perfect student. You were yeah. or the, you, the one who had it all together. Yes. But always felt lost. Yeah. And that, that was really hard and that was really scary. And so one of the things that popped out of that, one of the most significant things that popped out of that for me was a pornography addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to be really insecure around saying this, right? Because naturally, yeah. like, oh my gosh, porn addiction. And, yeah. and you know, like, he must be a pedophile. And, yeah. um, but you know, when, when you really slow down and look at the story, all of this makes perfect sense that... Okay, this kid who is just wildly insecure, um, you know, it, it, what else? What else is he going to gravitate towards? Because you know, with mm-hmm. porn, so not only am I getting all the 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 neurotransmitters and the, like the brain chemicals that are just giving me all those feel good uh, emotions and, and state of being. If you want to know more about the neuroanatomy of right. porn addiction, <laughs> send us an email. I, we can give you true story. links. True story. <laughs> right. But so not only did I have all that stuff going, uh, contributing to the addiction, but specifically and most powerful was porn was the place that I could go where I was always enough. I was always desirable. You never had to be someone or exactly. perform a certain way or be exactly. something you didn't feel like. Right. And and that's what like mm. it, it, that's how it got its hooks into me is like yeah. it was it was the one place that I had discovered in my life that relieved all of the pain, all of the shame, yeah. right? All of the, the fears, the anxieties. I mean just everything would be calm. Yeah. And like who's not going to get addicted to that, yep. right? So this addiction, you know, builds over time and, you know, like being, trying to be a good Christian boy, right? Mm. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this and I would try to control it and then I can't and then I would join accountability groups and yeah. not admitting that it's an addiction, but like, you know, like, oh, sure, I, I do that. Praying and Sometimes, pleading to God to yes. take it away from you yes. and it not going away. Absolutely, right? And, and that being one of the key painful things that I brought 
into our marriage, right? But that, like, yeah. I remember early in our marriage, you know, okay, when I finally confessed the porn addiction, you know, certainly that was a a central point of, of fear, of conversation, of, of pain, mm-hmm. uh, right? The need for repair. But truly, in what we learned in time was that was just the surface mm-hmm. of everything else that was feeding it in the first place. Right, yeah. right. So it was, a, it, according to us at that point, it was a porn problem. Right. We didn't know the depth of pain that was going on. Exactly. We had, so I think that's something important for, for listeners to remember too, is that this is us fast forward 12 years yeah, from, at, at least, yeah. from, mm-hmm. from the point of when you confess to me. Yeah. So we have had a significant amount of recovery time. We've we had have. a significant amount of professional training. Yeah. Good and bad recovery. I'll yes, say. yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, so we've had a lot of time to dig and dig and dig and dig into this. This isn't stuff that you're just going to come up with and say, oh, yes, well, of course, my porn addiction is from my father when I was five and blah, 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 or whatever. Right. Yeah. The story is like this takes years Mm -hmm. and years. So the first thing we got to do, like you did, is you've really got to realize that there's an issue Mm -hmm. and start to address that, start to get some sobriety around that. And then we can start to dig underneath and and keep going with what's really going on underneath to get to the point of this this freedom you feel now. Yeah. So speaking of underneath, uh, what I want to know is what are your raw spots and what's the story yes. behind that? So I had what seems like a similar upbringing is of you is loving parents, mm-hmm. a great family. They are awesome. They are awesome. Mm-hmm. We are kind of BFFs with my parents. They're absolutely amazing people. And it was hard for me, like you, to realize some of the impacts of some of the things that had happened throughout mm-hmm. my childhood because yes. Yes. there were moments throughout my childhood that I felt significantly dropped mm. and forgotten. Yeah. There were times where I was frightened. Um, there were times where... I needed someone to talk to and I didn't really have anybody to talk to. Yeah. My parents were the type of parents who were so attentive that they told me over and over again that I could go to them with anything. I could tell them anything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't believe it. Right on. So I felt alone. As yeah. much as they wanted to hold me in it, Yeah. I felt alone. Yeah. And knowing knowing that there's there's stuff on both sides that contributed to that, right? Yeah. Like stuff, yeah. like kind of like what you were saying about my parents, well, the most well-intended right. loving things that they, they possibly knew at that stage in their life, at that time, you yeah. know, like they were doing the absolute best that they knew how. And yet, and yet some of those things ended up landing for you as I, I don't know that I can trust you right. to bring this, whatever it is, to you in yeah. raw form, right? I gotta, I gotta for, hide it. For or instance, it. I would, I would let them know. So, so I would challenge that, right? Or I would test that. I guess is a better way to put it. Yeah, right. Like so, as, as all children yeah, do. Yeah. So, sure. so in high school, you know, they would say, "You can, you know, talk to me about anything, and you know, we can, we'll, we'll, we'll help you through it." Okay, and and okay, all right. So then I would bring them something a friend problem. Hey, my friend was gossiping about me and that was really hurtful. And, Mm. you know, I don't know what it was about or whatever. And, and they would, they would be really attentive. They'd be really kind and give me some, some good advice. And okay, then I'd go a couple days a week and then they'd be mad at me for something. Of course I did something right. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike Scott, I was not the perfect child. (laughs) (laughs) I had my moments of, uh, my mother likes to affectionately call it strong willed. Indeed. Yes. I I definitely had my moments of, of challenging them. I'm speaking in code. I was kind of a jerk to my parents. (laughs) I, well, I'll be honest. It, it makes, but it makes sense to me though that like, you know, if, if 
whether it's intended or not, if you end up feeling not seen very often, well, and that's the then you want to do behavior that makes you noticeable. Yeah. Right? Well, the end of my story too is that I would challenge them somehow. For you know, sure. I would get right. in trouble, <laughs> and yeah. they would say, "Oh, well, do you remember when your friend gossiped about you last week?" Like. Hmm. Kind of makes me wonder. Oh. Like maybe, maybe they were right. Yeah. And I would think, wow, I'm never gonna tell you anything ever again. Right on. <laughs> right. Yeah. My teenage brain was, you know, dealt with absolutes. Yeah. But and it was really hurtful, right? right? Like they were well intentioned in trying to teach me that, hey, look, I'm noticing some behaviors that maybe your friends are too. Right. And I was, you know, a 14 year old girl who was like, uh not cool guys like you're not allowed to ever bring up yeah anything and right. i felt really betrayed by that yeah see that's that totally makes sense to me like on, on the parent side to say okay the first time she brought this up i, w- I was kind i was patient right. i was attentive so right. like right nailed it which yeah they totally did yes and then okay now here's another situation where that information you shared before mm-hmm. is really pertinent. And so, right. So right. I'm going to, I'm going to enrich your life. I'm going to help yeah. guide you. I'm frankly, even protect you against right. future pain. Right. So why wouldn't I share this with my child that I love? Right. But then it lands for you as, okay, I gave you this thing and now it's being used as a weapon against yes, me. Yes. That's how it felt. Right. 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 So again, that outside inside, right? The outside, they were trying to protect me. Their intentions were trying to protect me and guide me. Yeah. And it landed on me as you are not trustworthy. You are dangerous to me. Yeah. So I cannot trust you. I will hole up in my bedroom alone. See, I deserve to be alone. Uh, right. Whoa, whoa, that's huge. I right. deserve to be alone. So those absolutes start coming in again and start to formulate and solidify over and over again right. throughout my childhood. And I end up as an adult bringing that in of, see, I deserve to be alone. In yeah. the end, you will betray me and I will end up alone. Right. And uh, for the listeners, hear that. Right. Like Betsy's raw spot that she's bringing into the marriage is... At some point, you are going to take the the good of what we have or the good that I try to bring to this. You're going to betray me mm-hmm. and I will end up alone. And then what did I bring into the marriage? Betrayal, mm-hmm. right? I was looking at porn, right? I was right. right. Like, no, I never went to go see a prostitute or like, like physically have sex with anybody else, but emotionally and, and to a degree, even physically through masturbation. I had sex with other women, right? Hundreds of times. Right, right. Hundreds of times. And so (laughs) that's a real thing. So so it's a big deal. Like not only is it a confirmation of her worst nightmare, but like this is a traumatic example of Betsy's worst nightmare coming true. And that's so like a year into our marriage is when I confessed there like I (laughs) Whew, I remember. So I was a... Boy, I remember that. I knew... I remember the exact couch and uh, position I was sitting amen, on. Amen, right? I remember the blinds in our living room in that first house we rented behind your head. <sighs> Which, by the way, uh, for those of you not trained in trauma work, uh, <laughs> tra- like a, a, a traumatic moment mm-hmm. is going to be crystallized yeah like betsy just described in your mind right so those those things you're like you know i can't remember a thousand things about my childhood but this i have a crystal clear memory of those rep- like not necessarily traumatic all the time but emotionally significant so, every time so scott gives a betrayal trauma to betsy confirming her worst nightmare right i remember i was was a youth pastor and worship pastor combo Mm -hmm. uh at the time trying desperately because like i knew my porn addiction at that point and i knew how insufficient i was right that that kind of core raw spot yeah so those two things combined i was like is scott gonna get into heaven no not Mm. unless he is super jesus boy Mm. Right. And so obviously I didn't know it at the time, but like that whole career path for me, all, t- all two years of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was me trying to earn my way into heaven. That was yeah. me desperately trying to be enough to be acceptable 
to God himself because I did not feel acceptable to anybody else except the women of pornography. And I also want to note too that the reason we were attracted to each other, or at least the reason I was attracted to you, Mm. is because you were that people-pleasing person that you were attentive to me. Yeah. I was never cherished. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, or at least I felt that right. way. Yeah, and I had a whole childhood of train, cherishing yes. and training, right? Cherishing so other people. So here comes this knight in shining armor, right? Yeah. And he sees me. He notices me. He takes me on dates. He cares about what yeah. I'm thinking and feeling like I didn't believe was possible. Yeah. I remember one specific moment where we were in college dating and... Uh, I couldn't even tell you what the argument was about, but we got into some sort of conflict and you, so we were sitting at a picnic table outside and you stormed off. It was nighttime. Mm. You stormed off because you're just like overwhelmed with, with upset or, or, you know, like feeling abandoned or something. Right. So you stormed off and I just sat there at the picnic table, completely frozen. Right. And, Mm. So one of the, one of the things that's so striking to me that we didn't really realize at the time was when eventually you cooled off and came back what you told me was it meant so much to you that I had sat at that picnic table and waited for you to come back that right mm-hmm. that like I didn't when when you were kind of emotionally gross mm-hmm. I didn't leave yeah right now like for relationship in general yeah that's that is universally a, an extremely powerful, powerful display of, mm-hmm. of love, yeah. of, of attachment, of, of commitment to the right. Yeah. Like when you are gross and uncomfortable for me, I'm I don't walk here. away. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, and so naturally you felt cherished. You felt a lot of repair in that. You felt a lot of safety and trust in that. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can be this gross and he won't leave. Mm. Maybe he's trustworthy to mm-hmm. not abandon me in the future. But I remember you know, in retrospect, I can recognize that what actually kept me mm-hmm. at that picnic table mm-hmm. was panic. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what the quote unquote right thing to do was. Right. And so I was absolutely frozen, like n- not able to have any behavior. Like I just, I literally could not move because I didn't know what the right move was going to be. Yeah. And then in my frozenness, at some point, you just kind of showed up again, <laughs> right? And that was magically amazing for you, Whoa. right? And I was like, well, <laughs> shit, right? Like, I apparently, I got to do that more often, right? Just sit here. I'll just sit here, and apparently, that's the right, right thing to do. Right, exactly. Like, what a huge message for me to <laughs> say, all right, well, my experiencing mm. panic, like, because that was a huge moment of withdrawal for me, yeah. but you weren't present for that. Mm. It, it told me that, okay, like going passive and just sitting here is valuable to you. Yeah. So then, you know, you fast forward into the marriage and all that starts playing out in all sorts of horrible ways, right? Like where, I mean, just time after time after time, you know, there, there would be, you know, you have your own feelings or, you know, like something triggers you mm-hmm. and I default into passive mode Mm -hmm. like i default into all right just how do i make mommy happy how do Mm -hmm. i how do i keep this situation as calm as possible Mm -hmm. or like if if it's unavoidable that the conflict is here how do i get the conflict to go away Mm -hmm. as soon as possible right Right, because conflict means the connection between you and me is being threatened. Right, exactly. It, well, it, it, and specifically, it means failure for me. Ah, uh, yeah. Right? Like, it, within codependency, yeah. conflict is failure. Like, you have made this horrible mistake now that mm-hmm. has created the conflict. How dare you? Right. I would, I would go dead inside. And that was your way of preserving what connection we had because if you were to engage in the conflict, exactly. that would rip our, right. our connection right. apart it's, even right. more. Exactly. Like I, I yeah. will make more mistakes. If I keep right. behaving in general, right. of course you I'm going to make more mistakes. Right. You would fail even more. Yep. So just play possum, let it pass, yep. and hopefully we're good. Yeah. <laughs> and that would hit my right. raw that, spot, exactly. right? Because here I am again with the most important person in my life, mm-hmm. alone. Alone. And you're playing possum, so I've got to poke at you with everything I've got and get loud and nasty. Right. 
and I would hate myself for getting to that point. Yeah. Right. 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 I felt like a monster. And yet for some reason, even in the moment, even if I knew this is so wrong to act like this. Yeah. I'm ashamed to right. act like this. But you literally can't help yourself. I need, yes, I need some evidence of life. Right. I need some evidence that you are here with me. Me being the most important person in your life. Yes. And then all of a sudden I look dead. Yes. Right. So first you're going to kind of like panic and like, oh my gosh, like, it's, are, are you okay? You're going to kind of shake my shoulder. Like, yeah. you know, what's, what's going Where on? Where are you? Right. And, and, right, and then, and then you're going to try and take my pulse. Right. And, and trying to figure out, okay, what's going on with you. And you're going to ask these prying questions and you're going to push and you're going to push. And, right. And, and when you can't feel a pulse, then sheer panic takes over. You're, right. You're not thinking logically. I'm going to start kicking you. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna start kicking you. I'm right, gonna get angry. I'm gonna right? stab you with a knife to see if you bleed. Yeah. Right, because that means your heart is still pumping. Right, like right. it's the most logical thing in the world is to to escalate. To say, I'm I'm gonna do anything and everything to try and prove that there's life there inside of you. Right, which looks like anger. Yes. And I hate it in the moment, and it doesn't make sense until. Fast forward 13 and a half right. years down the road, right? <laughs> Where right. we are now and we have all the education and we see this all exactly. the time and blah, blah, blah. And we get it. And mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel like a monster. You feel like I'm a monster and you're terrified of me and exactly. I'm terrified of me and right. I'm terrified of you leaving me. Yes. And I don't know how to stop it. One of the things that was key for me is feeling rejected, right? That, that mm. in my imperfection that I couldn't possibly outrun no matter how hard I tried, mm -hmm. Whenever those infection, uh, imperfections would eventually leak out, right? Boom, I just, any flavor of rejection yeah. would just, I mean, just wreck me. And right. so you, in your pursuit of me to try and prove that I was still alive, landed as pure rejection, right? Just right. more so and more So where would failure. that send you? Right, like deeper into my hole. Right. Early on in our marriage, it was to porn, right? Absolutely I, right. I cannot stand, yes. I can't bear the thought that I'm such a failure. Right. That I'm so right. This disconnected to the person I love and care about the most. Mm -hmm. So I got to go at least to a fake place that right. can give me some semblance of Amen. worthiness. Right, right. This, this beautiful woman that mm -hmm. I, that I love and that, you know, early in the relationship felt like she was, yeah. you know, I, I could be imperfect and that didn't bother her. Like yep. I, I could be myself yep. right now is feeling hurt by me. Yep. Right? And, and now it's especially years down the road, like I'm feeling utterly rejected by this woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, so where am I naturally going to go? Back to the place where I know. Right. Because every single time I go there, I know, like, I experience total acceptance. Right. And so, if you're okay with it, I'd like to talk a sure. little bit about what happened to me after you disclosed. I would love that. We call it a relationship trauma. <laughs> it, right, rightly so. And again, if you want to know any information about trauma... <laughs> Email us. Right. One of the themes of today. Yeah. It this was this was one of those uh earth stopping sun mm. stopping yeah. the stars melted moments in my life that the love of my life poof was gone. Right. Completely unsafe. Yeah. Just like you're utterly alone. I was utterly alone and I didn't know who to go to. I didn't know who was safe. Mm-hmm. Because right, this person that I thought was really safe all of a sudden yes, isn't. Yes, my world was turned upside down. I didn't know yeah. where I could go. Right? How could I possibly trust anything else that's safe? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My reality for the last—I mean, we had dated four years and before we got married. Right. And we had been married a year only, and yeah. we had moved across the country. We had no family. We didn't really have any friends yeah. yet. Right. You thought you knew me really well. And now I had literally nobody. And the friends that we did make didn't understand why I was so hurt. They yeah. didn't get oh. the pain and they left too. That is, I want to swear so much. <laughs> That's horrible. Right. Because on the outside, again, they saw this person 
who was trying to make things right, confessing, was trying right. to be you, honest. You talking about me, right? Yes. Like, I, like when I confessed. When you confessed. I, I got into recovery. Mm-hmm. Right? I started going to weekly recovery meetings. Right. right? You I started was, being honest I with, was very with contrite. close friends. Right. Yeah. I was very honest. Like, right. It, d- Which is great. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not right. That is, you did amazing with right. that. Right, but as I was uh, like all of those things, and frankly, I was talented at this, at at garnering people's empathy towards yeah. me. Yes. Right. And you're, so I snatched. You're the charismatic one right. out of the two of us. Let's be honest. Right. So I snatched everybody's empathy, and yeah. so then all the empathy was towards me and not right. towards you, even though you were the one that just got betrayed and traumatized. Yeah. So so I made the decision that it didn't feel safe to live with you. Because, well, because of... Because it wasn't. The last five, six years of my life were... A lie. A lie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was right and what was what was truth and what was a lie. And, and I had to start trying to figure out how to live in honesty. And in order to do that, for me, it was the safest thing to live apart for a bit to mm-hmm. figure out... Amen. What was truth? And... and Which, at, at the time, I hated that well and a part of it scared me so much (laughs) a part of it too is my codependency i live for others and my codependency was more i lived for my husband Mm -hmm. i lived for him not to leave me because my main fear was to not be alone yeah that's huge yes so when he told me hey your whole marriage and yeah right and i left a long time ago you just yes, didn't know it right right i was pretending i was here but now i actually was not and never was true story that was a big deal for me and i needed to step back and say okay well are you going to actually be the person that you said you were mm-hmm. so for yeah, me you, you, the you, healthiest right. thing i needed to do was to step out of the relationship by physically separating which, like I want to say, to me makes a lot of sense. Yes. Of course, it freaked me out then, but now it makes all... The, like, that was the wisest thing that you could possibly... Uh, like, it I say was it all helpful. the time, how, like, that was the best thing for both of us. Well, but and on, I... On your end, it was, like, as I understand it anyways, it was, even if I did feel present, how could you possibly trust that? Right. Because I felt present before, and yet I wasn't. And I want to make a caveat to say that this isn't the right decision for everybody and nor would I recommend it for everybody who has, who is going through this. I I think that this needs to be taken very, very seriously and, and talked about with trusted family, friends, um, therapists, whatever. But for us, it worked for us. It happened to work. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that that message is very carefully put out there. So for me, stepping back and saying, okay, I need to figure out who I am, what, what is right and wrong, and watch mm-hmm. my husband step into recovery and see where he's going in order for me to be willing to participate in a relationship with him. Yeah. I had to do that by cutting us off a little bit mm-hmm. and, and almost going back to a dating relationship. Yeah, that's true. And most of our family and friends saw that as really unhealthy, really yeah. selfish. I remember a horrible decision. We uh we we were in a, a small uh I don't know if it was a duplex or what, but a townhouse I think. Yes. Uh yeah. and and my mom came to visit and she so at the time I had been, you know, sleeping in the guest bedroom. But, you know, like this was after you moved back in. True, true. Right. Right. And so like, you know, okay, when visitors came over, then the guest bedroom was occupied. And so then in order to maintain the boundary, but also make the logistics work, then I would sleep on the floor, right? Not in the bed with you, Mm -hmm. but in that same bedroom, just on the floor. Yeah. And I remember my mom... Like when we she were was all getting, pretty uncomfortable. Right. When we were all getting ready for bed, like she saw that setup, and she, right. Like I remember she was like, Oh my gosh, how dare Betsy treat mm. my son that way. Right. Right. And, and, 
And that's like, that's what you had to deal with, with like these with people. With close family, with right. close friends. With, I, with people who meant the best, with people yeah. who truly loved both of us, but yes. they didn't know the whole story. They didn't know the right. deeper raw spots that were getting hit. And th- so right. they would see those things and say, oh my gosh, poor Scott and mm. horrible Betsy. Yes. Which was really hard for me again confirming my fears that in the end everybody leaves exactly in the end i am truly alone right right because and then I'm what so was interesting or something well then what was interesting is i got into my own recovery from mm-hmm. codependency from you know with with a group of women who were a part of um spouses of of addicts yeah which by the way i just want to highlight how utterly important that point is right there mm-hmm. so like you know if, if if you are in relationship with anybody who's with struggling with any type of addiction yes that person needs to be in recovery if they're not already but also you must get into your own recovery whether or yeah. not they do and i talk about it like this if you are walking down the street and a drunk driver hits you Mm. Right. You weren't doing anything wrong. You were not jaywalking. You were on the sidewalk. In fact, right. Mm -hmm. You still got a broken leg. Absolutely. You still have to go to the doctor. You still have recovery to do. That is your responsibility. That is not the drunk driver's responsibility. So you got into this group. Yes. So I got into this group and it was so refreshing to hear that other women deal with this too, that I Mm -hmm. am not alone. Right. And I got some lifelong friends through this actually, uh, Viola. She is who we interviewed, I believe in episode two, episode two. Mm -hmm. Yes. She is one of these beautiful women that I am still friends with. How long late 10 years later, 11, 12 years later now, it was amazing to, to make these connections and realize that, you know what, some of those older friends were not the people that were right for me. And as hard as that was Mm -hmm. going through that process, Mm -hmm. it was the right thing for me. It was the right thing for our marriage. Yeah. And that's what was so interesting is on the outside, everything looks so chaotic and so dysfunctional. And on the inside, we were cleansing. Yes. Right. Like it's on the outside, everything looks like it's on fire. Right. Right. But the fire is burning away the crap. Yes. And And so new growth and new life came. And it was, we, I think, Scott, we have had the best marriage anybody. I I remember, I'll never forget this. You and I were on a date. We were married five, six years maybe at that point. Yeah. This is a while ago, so yep. I can't remember. But <laughs> um, we were in line to get tickets to the movies or something. I think it was for food, for, I think. I don't yeah, remember. Whatever it was. There was, was, it was a we were... involved with this show. <laughs> Super high class, folks. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> Scott would remember a buffet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember we were just sitting in line, just being ourselves in the couple in behind f- us. front of us, yeah, behind us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They said, you guys are newlyweds, aren't you? You just got married because look at you flirting with each other. Right. And I said, we've been married for so long. That was the yeah. first time I realized we've made it. Yes. We have made it. We are in love. We mm-hmm. trust each right. other. We have worked so hard to rebuild. Yeah this life and it was so different from what it was before because we have never gotten a compliment like that ever right no one even right. when we were dating said oh you guys are yeah both they of always us. said we're oh you guys are the old crotchety couple aren't you <laughs> but right, at five six years married exactly. it was oh you're newlyweds aren't right. you because before both of us were too scared yeah and now, right, now that like we had okay we've been through the ringer we've been through the valley of death yeah and, and we came out the other side, certainly with our scars and with plenty of work to do on the back end of that. But right, yeah. we, we knew, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. And we skipped over a whole lot of what recovery involves. But I think the important parts are there that, that we worked our butts off yeah. to get to that point. And we yeah. were able to reconnect and we became each other's person in safe yes. place. Yeah. And I think what's what's out of all this conversation, what's really hitting me is the necessity of letting the protections or the, the, the ways that we tried to survive mm-hmm. our own life, 
letting those things drop, letting those things fall apart and crumble. As truly terrifying as that was for all of us, you were up against your nightmare, right? Like I I already feel completely abandoned by my husband. And now by setting these healthy boundaries, I feel like I'm either actively being abandoned or mm-hmm. will eventually be abandoned by everybody else in my life. Yep. Right? Like in in you set down that protection of trying to be acceptable, trying to make sure that people didn't leave and instead everybody did, left anyway. Right. Right, <laughs> but instead, right, like you faced that fear and you did the right thing anyways, which mm. was hold healthy boundaries, right? Work on your own recovery take care of yourself so that you could have you know any sort of clarity to to look at me and what I'm doing yeah right and then and same thing for me that like uh, one of the key things that I had to learn in my program of recovery was rigorous honesty because mm-hmm. before like early in my recovery I was <laughs> I was playing recovery on TV, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but I was not actually, you know, so I'd, I'd get sober, you know, for a month at a time and then and re- relapse and then a couple of weeks and then relapse and then a month and then relapse. And just this, this cycle until I made my second confession mm-hmm. of, right. Because I had been kind of luring you into this place by s- skillful manipulation. Yes. That you were very good that I had been sober for a year, even though I 100% was not right. And so finally I made my second confession that says, Oh, Hey, you thought things were better. They're still not. Yep. Right. And, and it was, it was shortly after that, that I finally learned my lesson, which was rigorous honesty. Mm-hmm. That, that was me dropping my protective shield to say, look for me and my own health, I have to be real well before I get to be liked or appropriate or do the right thing. Yeah. Right. And so like when you set your shield down and face the utter terror of, of what's on the other side of that, right. When yeah. I set my shield down and face the utter terror of what exists on, on the other side of that, that's when our marriage really took off. That's when the, yes. a lot of this connecting happened. That's when a yes. lot of the, the, the real deep repair happened mm-hmm. and when so, we finally gave up those protections yes and so that's why it's such a beautiful marriage because when you don't take the trash out like you're supposed to every wednesday night uh, so uh, the amen. trash comes on thursday morning right and i feel abandoned by you right right because if i can't trust you to do this what else it's can't such I trust a you simple with? task right. put it in your phone there your alarm goes off and mm-hmm. i can't trust you to do that mm-hmm and you have worked so hard in your recovery and you have worked so hard in this rigorous honesty mm. that when you show up like that day in and day out, when you forget the trash now, it's not a big deal. Right. Right? Like yeah. things like a, that. A mild irritant, which is a where mild it belongs. Irritant. Right. Right. Absolutely. Because now what are we going to do with our trash for the rest of the week? Right. Instead <laughs> of you've <laughs> abandoned me. Right. Right? Exactly. And, and so folks, I want you to hear this, that... When when you take the risk and drop your shields and be real with each other, mm-hmm. that's your opportunity. It's not a guarantee for repair, but that's your first real opportunity for repair. Yeah. And when you do that work of repair, when you when you stick with that, then the exact same raw spots are way less potent. Mm. So the stuff that would undo you, right? You would come unglued before. Yeah. now are just like blips on the radar and you can handle it. And that's yes. ultimately, that's why we called this podcast Solid-ish mm-hmm. because the expectation is never that you have this perfect marriage, right. that you never have conflict, that you never have blips on the radar. You're always going to have If you that. have a perfect marriage, then you are not human. Exactly, right? You <laughs> must be an alien. That's I don't <laughs> believe you. <laughs> exactly. Right. So it's all about, okay, being real first and foremost, and then doing the repair, right? Trying your best, certainly. But when it's not perfect, doing the repair. The good behavior is really nice, right? That's a great place to live. But the repair, when mm-hmm. things are bad, that's what truly builds trust and faith. I'm not just going to stay married to you in the good times. It's, it's truly mm-hmm. that covenant around marriage of for better or for worse, we're going to stick with this. And and when you show up with me in the worst, mm-hmm. that's what builds the trust. Yeah. 
and we we had to do that work yeah. it was miserable right but it was worth it right and even today when i tell you hey you know what you you forgot the trash again mm-hmm. that hits me in this place that i don't know if you're really going to be there for me when i need you the most yeah and you can show up for me in that now exactly you don't get defensive right. you don't say well yep. if you would just think of it as <laughs> like i just forgot it's not that big of a deal yeah no you say you know what betsy that matters to me yeah that is a big deal. If if you think that I'm a ab- I I could abandon you at any moment. That's yeah. right. heartbreaking yes. for me. I care about that. Yeah. I care about your heart and that's what makes me feel calmed. Yeah. Comforted. Amen. And solid. Yeah. And that's and I want to quick highlight like there's there's lots of skills that can be taught inside of the emotionally focused therapy world, but what you were just talking about is like first the tuning in mm-hmm. to see your heart, mm-hmm. like, you know, rather than the surface level reaction that you're giving me, mm-hmm. right? What's actually happening here. Right. And, right. and then very important is the next step, which is taking ownership of how I impacted you. Yeah. Regardless of how I intended it. Of regardless, course you did not intend right. to tell me that you were abandoning right. me. <laughs> right. That's and, ridiculous. Right. And regardless of whether or not it's rational, right? Because on right. my end, I can look at your reaction and be like, seriously? Right. Crazy pills much? Well, right? and like, even me, <laughs> right? I feel so crazy thinking that really you're going to abandon me if right. you don't take the trash out. That's insane. Right. And uh, like, And so... And this is, this is one thing, like it's, it's a simple enough concept, but it's really, really hard to do is that mm-hmm. to say, okay, I'm going to take ownership of my impact on you mm. and not have intent or whether or not it's logical be the prerequisites for whether I'm going to show up for you or not, whether I'm going to take ownership or not. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. This has been... I'm sure a ton of information. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully you got some good stuff out of this. If you have questions, please talk to us. I mean, we, we just like to know that we're not alone out mm-hmm. there. Right? <laughs> Are we putting this right. out? Is anybody right. listening? Right. But but seriously, like if, <laughs> if you have questions about this, uh, if you have questions about any of our other episodes, if you want us to address a particular topic, we would love, we want this to be as helpful as possible. Mm. So please contact us. Um, like you can, you can message us through Facebook um, upgrade your marriage. Uh, you can you can you can actually message us through Facebook on our website now, mm-hmm. which is upgradeyourmarriage.com, uh, or you can even email me directly, Scott at hopetherapy.info. We yes. want to be able to show up for you, right? Yeah. What matters to you, and how can we help you in that? Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.